This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen. I'm the president of World Ministries International and Eagles Saving Nations. Please go to my website, worldministries.org, worldministries.org. We've got to have another great awakening because this nation is in trouble. We're in our Friday night service for prayer with the staff and families. But before we go into prayer, I want to share a message on come boldly into his presence. Come boldly into his presence. Obviously, the primary source I'm using is scriptures out of the Bible. And also, I read an article by Gary Wilkerson talking about his own experiences and his own intimidations on praying and the reasons for them. I'll read some of that because I think we probably all suffer the same thing. I knew Gary's father personally, David Wilkerson. He invited me to New York City once, and we wrote articles twice a month, and many times they were exactly the same, different words, but the same message. And that's what the Spirit of God does. I'm also going to quote from Billy Graham. Billy Graham, again, a man of God that I I knew personally. I had the opportunity to work with him in the uh, Spokane Crusade years ago. Picked him up at his hotel, took him to the meetings, and sat there right with him. And so it was a blessing to know both of these men, tremendous men of God. And at his crusades, you know, he always closed with, Just as I am, I come to thee. Just as I am. And that's what we need to understand. Just as I am, we come to the Lord in prayer. We bring our petitions just as I am. Now, we might not be worthy, but he is worthy. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. You know, the Apostle Paul understood suffering. Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, David, others, apostolic, prophetic men of God, women of God understood suffering in the Bible as well as today. James understood suffering. In Jerusalem, persecution of the early Christians was rampant. Many of Jesus' followers were martyred, causing others to flee across the region. What did James say to encourage the church? He wrote, James 5.13, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. I'm going to read about Gary Wilkerson's his own confession. He says that a minister, Sometimes I find it hard to tell people in pain to pray about their sufferings. In the last church I pastored, a godly woman lost her husband to an illness. About a year later, she lost a son to suicide. Soon after that, she lost her other son to suicide. Folks from our congregation reached out to connect with her because she wanted desperately to be in church, 
but could not bring herself to come to church. She explained, I can't walk inside the doors. Whenever I try, I picture my husband and son sitting with me, and I just start weeping. None of us are a stranger to suffering. Maybe the worst trial of my life came in a ministry trip with my father, you know, David Wilkerson. I was in a hotel room preparing to preach to thousands when my wife called with terrible news. She said our 18-year-old son had been arrested for possession of heroin. I was stunned. You may know that my dad started a massively successful Christ-centered rehab center called Teen Challenge for people with substance addictions. My wife and I knew that our son was struggling, but we did not know how fully and what he was going through. My mind raced. I'm about to preach to thousands who know all about Teen Challenge, yet I can't keep my own son off drugs. What did I do wrong? How did I fail my son? Why wasn't I a better father? All of us go through these questions about ourselves if our children go astray. I'd suffer through other difficulties in life, but nothing compared to this. Here I was on another continent while my son, the child I had held in my arms as a boy, played catch with, teenager taken on long walks, was in jail, going through dangerous withdrawals thousands of miles away. So he was reminiscing and feeling guilty. As soon as I finished preaching, I reached my son by phone. He pleaded in panic, Dad, you've got to come get me out of here. Please help me. I was in tears, feeling helpless, confused. I didn't know whether it was best to bail him out of jail and risk that he would return to his habit and maybe overdose, or if I should let him spend time there to face his addiction head on. I never known such agony. Now, I'm going to be going through scriptures that he went through, scriptures that we all should go through and remember what they say. He says, in my greatest time of need, when my son was in jail, God answered with healing, forgiving power in spite of all my sins and shortcomings. The Lord made clear to me exactly what to do. My wife and I bailed out my son, took him home, a prodigal grateful to be set free. He was delivered from addiction to miraculously healed in the midst of withdrawals from heroin in that jail cell. The father heard his cries and ours, and because of intercessor, Jesus. Some people like to use tough love, and sometimes tough love is necessary, but we need to always get direction from the Lord. If we don't get direction from the Lord, you're doing it in your own understanding, even on what somebody taught on tough love. We've got to get direction from the Lord. Let's look at some scriptures that I think all of us need to deal with and remember. And we probably do. I've gone over scriptures in need. But remember I, I mentioned first, James, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. I think that's the first step. We need to always pray. More than just try to figure it out. Yes, we can contemplate. We can meditate. We can get revelation as we go to the Lord in prayer. But we need to go to the Lord in prayer. Sometimes we find it hard to genuinely cast our burdens on the Lord. We all do. Taking our burden to Jesus was all sometimes we can do. Sometimes we feel unworthy. Our imperfections bearing down as we go to God in prayer. Even the devil reminds us of our imperfections. But remember James' word, the prayers of a righteous person has great power as it is working, James 5.16, the prayers of a righteous person. Are we perfect? No. 
but in Christ we are. The prayers of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So what hope is there for the prayers of the unrighteous? Like all of us, we're righteous yet we're imperfect. James wrote, the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. James 5.15. Again, we went over how James understood persecution. He understood suffering. The church was suffering. It was being persecuted. What if your faith has failed? Sometimes we are weak. Does that make you unworthy of healing or asking on behalf of another? No, that's what the body of Christ is for, to take one another in our arms and to bear one another's burdens. Amen? That's what church is all about. Regardless of whether we have sinned, we are burdened by suffering, including suffering over our children. All of us have suffered, I believe, usually, parents over their children. Usually they go through some, if we want to say, growing pains, spiritual pains. And because we love them, we suffer with them. Gary Wilkerson shared his thoughts, and I could name many men of God, of notoriety, that children have gone through great suffering. James Dobson and others. James urges us all to pray. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Again, James 5.13. Now, Hebrews adds this verse in Hebrews 4.16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. See, grace, thy grace is sufficient. God's grace, thank God for God's grace for all of us, for me. If it wasn't for God's grace, I wouldn't be standing here. This does not mean we can presume upon God's grace if we continue to harbor sin. No, we're supposed to do what we can to work out our salvation. We're supposed to do what we can to grow nearer to God. We're not supposed to deliberately sin. The psalmist wrote, Psalm 66, 18. If I cherish iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. By God's grace, however, we are made righteous. As James says, the prayer of the righteous person has great power. So even if you don't think you're perfect, none of us are, yet we pray. We pray and depend on God's grace. His grace is sufficient. His grace as we pray will reveal if we need to take our petitions in confession. But we need to pray. It amazes me how many other hindrances to prayer are mentioned in the Bible. Proverbs 21.13 Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. How can we expect God to answer our need if we refuse to acknowledge the needs of others? We should have the heart of God. Jesus mentioned hindrances to prayer in Matthew 6, 7 through 8. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. In other words, we must have sincerity. We must not just speak hypocritically just so people can listen to us pray but it must come from sincerity, from a righteous heart. If we recite empty words without meaning behind them, why should we expect an answer? The issue of unforgiveness is just as hindering. Jesus added in Matthew 6, 15, But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's important. I remember before I could move in the Holy Spirit, years ago I had to forgive a man that I hated for five years. I couldn't move in the Holy Spirit till I did. There is also the hindering issue of disobedience. If one turns away from his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. Proverbs 28, 9. If my life is not aligned with God's commands, are my prayers acceptable? 
not if they're in deliberate sin. Again, we need to strive to show ourselves worthy unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed. We need to go to God and cast our cares upon him. We need to ask him to forgive us and forgive us daily if we need to. There's no shame in asking somebody to forgive you. The only shame is if we don't ask. We also warn not to be wishy-washy about our prayers. James 1, 5 through 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach. And it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's double-minded, unstable in all his ways. When we go to the Lord in faith, we must believe that. We must believe it, not regurgitate back to the lies of the enemy and get ourselves back into the bondage and condemnation. Don't let the enemy take away your peace. Stand firm on the word of God. If we're not even sure what we're praying for, how can we receive an answer? I know when I don't know how to pray for people, I start to pray in tongues because it's a heavenly language and the Holy Spirit knows. And God answers and tells me what to pray or I continue to pray in tongues over that person. God does the healing anyway, not me. So if we can go to the Lord in prayer, if we pray in tongues, God knows the answer. And sometimes he gives a word of knowledge and revelation, and sometimes he just deals with it. But I continue to pray. James wrote that our prayers must be consistent with our lives. He said this in the most sobering terms, James 4, 2 through 3. You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. We read these and sometimes we wonder, how is it made possible to pray without a mixture of personal desire involved? In fact, this long biblical checklist sometimes can discourage people. In times of prayer, I tell myself, I'm not angry at anyone. I'm not double-minded. I'm not holding on to sin. I know what I want. I ask God for it. Still, I am obeying his word sufficiently. Am I? In other words, I go through and make sure, am I doing it right? Am I right before God? Do I give to the poor enough? Am I harboring some kind of covetousness, desire? I'm not conscious of. Sometimes we don't know our faults, our sins. Pride is deceptive. We can't see reality. And sometimes the Holy Spirit has to point it out. And sometimes in love, somebody else can help us. If we had a checklist of this whole list every time we prayed, what hope would we have if we had to be perfect? Because sometimes we make mistakes and we're not even aware of it. Let's be honest. Sometimes we pray with selfish motives and don't even know it. Sometimes we're at odds with others. Sometimes we neglect the poor for seasons at a time. Have we always given when the Holy Spirit said to give to somebody? If meeting these checklists is what it takes to have prayers answered, sometimes it becomes pretty uh, discouraging. Yet, we must pray. Thankfully, the Apostle Paul could relate to my dilemma, our dilemma, and he addressed it powerfully. In Romans 7, Paul cried out after going through his own endless litany of sins. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Romans 7, 24. Thankfully, he answered his own question powerfully. In Romans 7, 25 and 8, 1 through 4. Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law 
weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Amen? Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ in us makes us righteous. Thank God for this amazing, cleansing grace. If we understood what I just read, what we, what's there, we don't have to be condemned. We do what we can, we evaluate, and we repent where we know we should, but we go to God in prayer powerfully anyway. We can enter into his throne room boldly, boldly. You know, Christ speaks not only to the righteous, but the unrighteous. It's all through the Bible. Uses a donkey, uses people that are backslidden, backslidden prophets, etc. God speaks to men. He's working with us. He's calling us when we're yet in sin. He's still calling us. <clears throat> Sometimes we don't realize it. Sometimes later on we say, I knew God all this time was speaking to me, had protected me. Psalm 133, if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? You know, thank God he doesn't hold them against us. It's in the sea of forgetfulness, amen? And we've got to remember that. We've got to understand the word of God. We cannot renounce it or neglect it or reject it. Or We've got to hold on to it because <coughs> the devil comes constantly to destroy us. You are working out your salvation. You're fighting for your peace, for your joy. We can't allow the enemy to rob us of the promises of God. We are righteous in Christ. We're not perfect, but he is perfect. I can't pray in my own righteousness or strength. Yet, because of Christ's blood cleanses me and makes me righteous, I can stand complete in God's presence. See, we can be bold in his presence. We can be complete. Even when we know we're in sin, we say, God, forgive me. God, help me. We go to him in prayer. We cry upon him, and he does that. He forgives. <coughs> he hears us. Through Jesus, all my doubts and double-mindedness are washed away. Any unforgiveness is confessed and forgiven. All sinful passions are set aside. Christ's work on the cross raises us from the dead, conditioned into a newness of life. All strength or righteousness needed in my trial is supplied to the life of the Spirit who lives in me. John 15, 3-5, Jesus said, Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Everything is through Christ anyway. If there's any miracles we do, it's through Christ. We can do nothing without Christ. Without the Holy Spirit, I am nothing. <clears throat> My ministry depends on the Holy Spirit. When I go to nations, it's the Holy Spirit. It's not me. And I continue to give God the glory because I am nothing. I can't heal. He heals. My job is to lay hands on the sick. His job is to heal. Amen? Amen. Jesus has made all provision for us. Therefore, we come to him boldly. Boldly. We are all called to come boldly. Asking anything because he wants us to receive an answer. He wants to answer us. He wants to bless us. He's there waiting. 
to comfort us, to encourage us, to give us direction, to forgive us. We must give him our request and see his merciful grace work in our lives. Give him our request. He has paved the way for you to come boldly in your time of need. He has paved the way. It's there. Come unto me, all you that are weary laden, and I will give you rest. He has paved the way. It is there. He loves you more than you can understand. See, we don't understand. Sometimes we can't love like we should, but he loves that sinner man that others despise. He loves them. He loves those. Even Hamas. And I taught about how you can turn into an animal mind, but still he loves them. Still he wants them to come to the cross and be saved. We should never give up on anyone. There's a time when the unpardonable sin has been committed and you've grieved the Holy Spirit and he leaves. But we're not God to make that judgment. Our job is to continue to reach out and love and offer the means of salvation. God's the judge when a person is turned over to a reprobate mind. I can't make that judgment. My job is to love them. We leave God to judge them. He's paved the way for them, for me, for you, so we can come boldly into his presence in our need. He is our answer. He is our way of escape. Again, we mention that it's hard sometimes to genuinely cast our burdens on the Lord. It's hard. Yet what does God say? Come unto me. Come unto me, all you that are weary, and I will give you rest. Come unto me. We must understand that's what he is always saying. Come unto me. Look at the prodigal son. Look at the father. How quick he was to run and greet and meet and forgive and love because he had more of the heart of Father God that is always willing to forgive and love and give us eternal life and reward us and give us a future, give us a destiny. In human love, sometimes people can't do that. His other son had a little problem. But the father immediately loved the son. God loves us. It doesn't matter what we've done. We need to come to him in prayer. And we can come to him boldly because of his righteousness. Again, he will reveal during our prayer if we need to do something, if we need to say, I'm sorry, Lord, for whatever. He reveals to that as we come to him in prayer. His word, the Holy Spirit, speaks to us, and then we take action. None of us will ever be perfect, but he is perfect, and that's what makes us, if you want to say, perfect. We're perfect in Christ. <coughs> we don't have to be condemned. We don't have to let the devil beat us up. Oh, you're always this way. Well... God is not that way. Jesus is not that way. And I am in Jesus. So we must remember the words of God because only the words of God can set us free. These scriptures and many others. Again, I go back to Billy Graham's song that he used, all of his crusades, just as I am, I come to thee. Just as I am. That's what I tell myself. Just as I am. Not just salvation, but whatever. If you lost your temper with somebody or... You had a hard time forgiving somebody. Just as I am, I come to you, Jesus. And he wants us to come to him because he will give us peace. He will give us rest. He will teach us how to forgive. 
but just as I am, I come to thee. That's all he wants. Go to God in prayer. Come boldly into his presence. Again, suffering is something that we all experience because we're human. We're in a fallen world. We suffer. But the pain of sin and death, he conquered. We don't have to be judged eternally. We don't have to be eternally separated because he was perfect and he gave us perfection, forgiveness, salvation, grace. Enter into my presence. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. We don't have to be afraid because he has paved the way. He has taken our place. And if we continue to walk by the Spirit and do what we can do when he reveals it to us, we are perfect in his sight. And God sees us perfect because his blood is over us. He sees us perfect. We don't have to feel guilty. We don't have to be afraid. We can walk through the shadow of death and fear no evil. Peace I leave with you. That's what he said to his disciples who were afraid in the storm. Hey, what's wrong, guys? I'm here. And if we remember that, he is here. We don't ever have to be afraid. Ladies and gentlemen, you can come boldly into the presence of God. You don't have to be afraid. Worldministries.org. Worldministries.org. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Tune in at this same time, Monday through Friday, on this radio station for the next exciting edition of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.